0: It is November 16th, 2022, and welcome to episode 151 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Last week at COP27, Venezuelan president... And I put that in air quotes, Nicolas Maduro shook hands and exchanged words with U.S. Climate Envoy John Kerry in what the U.S. Department called an unplanned interaction. This comes weeks after the United States arranged an exchange of prisoners with Maduro, sending home two nephews of Maduro's wife who had been convicted of drug trafficking in a swap for Americans who had been held in Venezuela. There's also been reports that the Biden administration is preparing to scale down sanctions on Venezuela's regime and allow Chevron to resume pumping oil, paving the way for a potential reopening of U.S. and European markets to oil exports from Venezuela. This would be an exchange for Maduro uh, resuming long suspended talks with the country's opposition and to discuss conditions for free and fair presidential election in 2024. So all of this is a little bit crazy in that Maduro remains in power and these conversations are happening while the White House continues to insist that Juan Guaido, an opposition politician, is the real president of Venezuela, winning a still disputed presidential election from all the way back in 2018. Further, and to put another level of like daily mail on this, Maduro has been charged by the U.S. government with narco-terrorism, conspiracy to import cocaine, and possession of deadly weapons, and there's still a $15 million bounty for any information leading to the arrest and capture of Maduro. So first up, we have Maduro and Carrie pictured. Uh, Obviously John Kerry did not arrest him and turn him into the State Department. And this has caused an uproar for folks tracking the story. But for those people not tracking, uh, why does this election from like three years ago still matter? And is this really a change in US policy? Like what's going on here, Jamil?
1: Well, just I think we should give John Kerry the $15 million because he clearly <laughs> found he clearly found Maduro. And uh, you know, I mean I guess I guess he can't really use the money because he got Teresa Hines' money, so it doesn't really need the 15 million. But I mean he found him. He found him. He could turn him in right now and get and clutch his reward. I just don't get it. Um, I mean, look, this is obviously ridiculous. The U.S.'s longstanding policy um, is that uh, Maduro is a criminal. Uh, he's illegally taken power and he should be removed from power. But, of course, the Biden administration, because it needs oil, is willing to make all sorts of concessions. And uh, rather than rather than, God forbid, uh, you know, make concessions to Saudi Arabia, our longstanding ally, They'd rather go make a deal with the Iranians, who are oppressing, uh, you know, women and killing, killing children, or, um, or go to Venezuela and uh, and have a person that's in power that's it's illegally there. I mean, I just don't understand. I mean, the, the, the Kerry administration is so obsessed with climate change that they would rather make deals with countries that hate America uh, rather than try to find a common ground. Either, either drill in America. I mean, imagine that. We can be a net exporter of oil again, right? Or um, or uh, or make a deal with the Saudis? It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's laughable. Uh,
2: I find myself uh, agreeing with Jameel uh, in his yes. approach of ridiculousness. <laughs> uh, make I, I just make a couple of points here. One, the facts on the ground have changed in Venezuela. The opposition is fractured. We're not in the same situation we were in three or four years ago. Now that could be the fault of the administration for not trying to keep the Venezuelan opposition unified. We're also looking at a sea change in the orientation of Latin American governments, so Colombia, Brazil, much more interested in you know, so-called constructive engagement with Venezuela than they were previously. Those things do have to be factored in, but Venezuela's behavior remains unacceptable. It's looking for links with Russia, with Iran, with other global bad actors. It's effectively like a little mini Moscow in our backyard. This is It's a terrible situation. The opening from the administration is very unlikely to produce any constructive results for american interests and certainly not for american values. Venezuela is taking american businessmen and throwing them in jail under utterly ridiculous charges in order to trade them for drug dealers who happen to be related to Nicolas Maduro who are who are in prison in the United States. This is this is an absurd situation. It's highly unlikely that this kind of diplomatic opening to Venezuela is going to result in anything good for us. We should be looking for alternative ways to get new energy sources. Why not get them domestically? I totally agree with Jamil. We're putting climate change above our other values. It's a mistake.
0: So since I have to just, I, I can't let less than Jamil. I, I guess I'll be devil's advocate here. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit crazy though that <laughs> I got two guys in agreement. Um, and You're I think. Just play <laughs> the 20 year old. I don't want to, but what excitement would be
2: in it. if we all
0: agreed. Okay, but don't we – I find it crazy, though, that how can we have a coherent policy, Southern America, when we don't recognize who has been the ruling party in Venezuela? And and we're we're in conversation with him – I just wonder, as, as uh, to his point, like the new Colombian president taking over wants to have constructive talks. There's a change in the atmosphere in other governments. People before, pre, you know, 50 other countries, in addition to the United States, did not recognize Maduro. Those numbers have been swiftly dropping over the last couple of years. Um, so what kind of change could we have in the country? If, in fact, we are standing behind an opposition to this point that isn't coherent, isn't working together as right now.
1: Because it's the same thing we always do around the world. We just we, we, we give up when it's too hard. Oh, it's been too long. Oh, you know, we Bashar Assad, we need to make a deal with him. Oh, I mean, like I, the, the U.S. has no consistency in our policy. Here's the thing. We oppose Maduro. We can remove Maduro. We could work to undermine him. Instead, we oppose Maduro. But our opposition is we're going to say really mean things, and we're going to impose sanctions, and Congress, less Congress might get involved. I mean, like, who the F cares? Here's the reality, right? If we wanted to be tough on Maduro, if we want to do something in South America, we could. We're choosing not to because we're a bunch of whips. We've forgotten that we're 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 we're, we're a we're a superpower. We want to pretend like we're some like third-rate power, and we can't really have an impact on Venezuela. We just sit on sidelines, and when things change, and when liberals get elected in North South America, <laughs> we got to give in and just cave and be like, oh, well, now, now other people have been elected Columbia. It's now time to give in. Maduro, you're now our friend. I mean, it's ridiculous.
2: Like, we should act like an effing superpower. We're a superpower. Jamil, we should behave like one. Jamil, thanks for uh, bringing up Congress. Uh, this actually <laughs> is an opportunity for Congress as you uh, rather profanely pointed out, our presidential administrations tend to flip back and forth between different approaches, depending on who gets elected. So every four years now, we're going to have a new approach. That's not that's not constructive in the long run. The only way to have a coherent policy over the long term is for Congress to be involved and define parameters for presidential behavior. That is the job of Congress. It works with respect to Taiwan. It works with respect to Cuba, although let's face it, the economic sanctions, have not produced change in <laughs> Cuba. But if Congress wants to get involved and, pro- and provide limits on what the president can do in terms of engagement with a thug like Nicolas Maduro, now is the time to do that. There are voices in both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party who are very sensible on these issues. Let's, let's have them take a cut at it I would have much more faith in that approach than this bouncing back and forth we get from the White House.
1: And by works, it means it fails miserably because we re- it results in no change whatsoever. Congress is involved and nothing changes. The, po- the party in power, the country, the country that we're talking about has no political change. That's what we call working less. That's the working. Congress gets involved and nothing
2: <laughs> effing happens. Jamil, to be, to be clear, our policy is not defined by Congress vis-a-vis Venezuela. It's been defined by the White House, by Trump, and now by Biden. You neither, just said Congress approach, do it. No, neither approach is working. Congress actually needs to step up and define the relationship, define the parameters within which the president can operate. It has not done that with respect to Venezuela. This now is the I Congress. mean just get
1: in here. Congress has defined the relationship with Cuba. And it's worked so well. Let's, you cited Cuba as an example of winning, and Congress being involved, and it's been an and utter Taiwan. failure for and 40 Taiwan.
2: years. And, How Taiwan. and how's Taiwan? Taiwan, how's that going? How's that going? Is Taiwan a free <laughs> democracy right now? It is. Is it well armed? For the next, eight it minutes is less, for the next is.
1: eight minutes. Jess, come on! I, come on, you I, can't, I will say, you can't no, back no, no, no. This is ridiculous. I, I,
0: I, always walking the fine line in between. Congress has spoken a number of times this year on Venezuela. So have members and. They've come against, you know, come out against prohib- prohibiting the importation of Venezuelan oil. We've just got, I think it was, uh, Ted, you know, they've got some Republican senators writing a letter to Joe Biden about the easing of sanctions. So they've made their position known. Have they actually taken more action? Have they come out
2: stronger? No. To Jamil's point. We need a comprehensive approach. You're right, Jones, but that's not enough. You need a comprehensive but, approach. You need Congress to define the parameters within which the president can operate comprehensively, not just these one. Comprehensively. Oh my god. Let's,
1: keep, let's, let's keep saying comprehensively and define, but the examples he cited for Congress acting comprehensively and defining have been utter failures. Jess, come on. You can't back the Lester. <laughs> Congress should do it even if it sucks. So it to there. everyone that might be surprised
0: it. on Twitter, we actually all Two like each Don't other. Do it. We just spend too much time together, hence all of the yelling. We do. (laughs) That's a wrap. Thanks to Gabriel Otis from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again this Friday for the next installment of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates and shaking up America.